0: Hello, and welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, bringing to you this week a continuation of my Fascism in Fiction miniseries. This week, I am covering the finale, the final finale of Attack on Titan, one of the most popular animes and TV shows of all time, and certainly in the last decade, which is about how long it's been running. The first episode of this show came out in 2013. This is a continuation of an episode I released earlier this year. Now, Attack on Titan, like I said, is an anime. That means it is a cartoon show coming out of Japan. However, for those of you in the United States who associate cartoons with things that are appropriate only for children, this is not that kind of a show. There's a lot of blood and gore and, you know, violent themes and creepy things going on. So just a word of warning. Also, another word of warning. If you care about this show, which honestly, I don't know if you should, then you should stop here if you haven't seen the final episode because there's going to be some spoilers. I'm going to start out with a recap of the show and, you know, an introduction to it to those of you who have not seen it. This show begins like many prestige television shows does with the puzzle box. The main characters are all living in a sort of like quasi 19th century world they're all white, they all have Germanic names, and they live in a society where everyone is trapped within a walled civilization. Now these walls encompass, you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles of territory, but the walls are enclosing their entire civilization. They live inside of these walls because outside the walls are giant flesh-eating monsters, which they call titans. In the very beginning of the show, some of these titans who look a little bit different than some of the other ones do, show up and they destroy the main town that the main characters lived in, which is a relatively poor community apparently. They kill some of the main characters' families and a bunch of people die. And so they have to retreat to somewhere else in their community. And the main characters, who at this point are teenagers, children, they vow revenge. They say that they're going to win their home back. As a result, these youths join the military which is extremely important in this show because their society is run in a sort of young adult fiction level of sophistication critique of a corrupt monarchy that is mostly led by its equally corrupt military. This puzzle box continues to unfold as many more people die by the fact that it turns out that some of our main characters can themselves transform into these giant flesh-eating monsters, but instead of being mindless, like most of them are, they stay in control of themselves, this includes the main character, Eren Jaeger. Now, it turns out that the civilization that they are a part of, uh, this is one of the things that gets revealed about halfway through the show, it turns out that the civilization they were a part of is really just a part of the world. And this civilization that lives inside of these walls was actually put there by the rest of the world to contain them. And they are contained by these giant flesh-eating monsters, the Titans, which uh, look sort of like caricatured, but neutered people. So their society was put there to contain them by the rest of the world. And we learn that this is because all of the people that we have met so far, everybody, is a member of a race, a, an ethnic group called Eladians. Eladians are discriminated against by all other civilizations because they, alone out of all other human beings, can transform into titans. It turns out that anybody in their civilization can transform into these giant flesh-eating monsters. Usually this transformation is something that a person is subjected to by being injected with the spinal fluid of another titan. But sometimes if you eat somebody who has one of the important titan powers, like you know the ones that all the main characters have that let them like punch and kick and do cool action stuff, if you eat one of them, then you get their powers, you inherit their powers, but it comes with a cost. You, you, you have a much lower life expectancy. So, so far, so anime, right? It's, it's, it's about a, a little puzzle box that gets opened up about halfway through the show, and we realize that the main characters are part of an oppressed group, and they decide that they are going to liberate their people from the rest of the world that is oppressing them, you know that has put them on this island. In keeping with the young adult fiction level theming of this show, in keeping with the young adult level, like political awareness of the show, the island that all of our main characters have been forced to live on so far for the last hundred years, it's called Paradise Island. People of their race, Eladians, live outside of Paradise Island too. Not all of them were moved to Paradise Island. There, if they are outside of Paradise Island, they are discriminated against in a way that directly and extremely intentionally, like like transparently mimics anti-Semitic policies of Nazi Germany. They live mostly in ghettos, like they're relegated to literal like camps and communities that they are forced to live in. The boundaries of those communities are enforced by the military police, sometimes with violence and often with verbal abuse. Eladians are forced to wear armbands that have a star that is not quite the star of David and aladians who want to get out of these communities have to work for the armies of their oppressors and if they do so they might become quote unquote honorary full members of their society that's that's a quote from the show right so so far again we have a sort of like young adult level sophistication critique of racism and stuff like that however this is where the show really breaks down and where it has started to leave a terrible taste in my mouth to the extent that i sort of regret that I watched it. The problem is that these people aren't just oppressed, like, because of racism. In the show, they are oppressed because a few hundred years ago, the Eladians ran a global empire that used their power, their ability to transform into titans, in order to oppress and take over other people. So the main character and their buds decide that they're going to liberate their formerly dominant, now oppressed, nation. That should be ringing some alarm bells if you are thinking about this show as a fascist allegory. This means that the show has drawn us in thinking about our protagonists as being oppressed people when we know that they have a history of oppressing others. This difficulty, this problem, right, is is exacerbated by the fact that near the conclusion of the show and about the last season, rather than just wanting to liberate their fellow Eladians, rather than wanting to liberate the people outside of their community in, you know, these other civilizations in the world that are still oppressed, they don't just want that. A lot of the main characters start to want to return the Eladian Empire into existence. And how are they going to do that? Well, in the world of the show, the king of the Eladians has a specific power, which essentially allows him extensive mind control powers over the rest of Aladians and also some other people, and also direct control of a lot of these giant, massive, flesh-eating monsters. And so the main character, Aaron Yeager, decides that he is going to go with this plan. His plan is to take over his community, to take over Paradise Island in a fascistic military coup, to seize the power of their leader in order to get this mind control power and start a genocide. And that is where the show sort of picks up uh, in this this final episode. At this point, the central question of the show is how is the world going to change, right? How is this world that is based on the power of these giant flesh-eating monsters going to transform? Is it going to transform because the only people left will be the ones who have this power? There will only be Eladians left. Or is it going to transform because All of the Eladians are going to die. There are some people in the show, including some of the Eladians themselves, who think that the solution to this is to kill all of them, right? So so there are two competing genocidal programs in this show. That's that's the line that most of the characters are drawn up on, is are we going to kill everybody who isn't an Eladian? Or are we going to kill all of the Eladians? There's a sort of third option, uh, which is what if we eliminated the Eladian's ability to transform into titans? Aaron, at this point, the ostensible protagonist of the show, has, at this point, by the conclusion of the show, right by, by the start of this finale episode, has transformed via the power of the Titans into a miles long, hundred story tall, crawling skeletal rib cage, leading a massive army of deadly giant creatures who are also burning hot, who are destroying the entire world in their wake. Okay, so that is the corner that the writers have written themselves into, and here's. How they got out. At the beginning of the episode, we get a bunch of good action of our heroes. And if you're into that kind of thing, then that's kind of, I would say, maybe the only reason to still watch this show. There's some pretty good action shots that are mostly using their former friend's body as a battlefield in order to save the world. But it's the revelations that we get and how this situation is resolved that make me really think that this show took some serious and, in my opinion, Politically dangerous missteps. In this last episode of the show, we learn a lot about the first person who had this ability to transform into a giant flesh-eating monster. Her name is Ymir. Ymir is a young woman from 2,000 years ago who got this power essentially because she made a deal with a devil or a demon. She was then taken advantage of by a king, a petty king of a people who were named Eladians, and this king used her and her power in order to develop an empire. The children that he had with her then became the basis of this new ethnic group. And by say the children that he had with her, I am talking about rape and sexual assault because Ymir was not free to leave the power of this king. However, as the show addresses, Ymir at this point was fantastically powerful. She had the ability to transform into this giant, flesh-eating monster, and her oppressor, this king, did not. He was just a regular guy. So why did she stay with him? You know, why did she continue to be in this relationship with him? Well, the show reveals that this is because she was in love with him. That's, That's the show's justification. And this ties directly into one of the other main characters of the show, a woman named Mikasa, who is in love with Erin Jaeger, the genocidal protagonist of the show. And their love, this like doomed love, a doomed, traumatic, extremely misogynist depiction of love, is one of the sort of like narratively, structurally uplifting parts of the show. Pretty disgusting, if you ask me. Also, the idea of the progenitor of a clear Jewish allegory ethnic group making a deal with a devil... And thereby tainting the blood of her descendants is incredibly disgusting. That's just straight up anti-Semitic. It's pretty awful. Uh, Also, I want to note that that unlike all of the other races in this show, right, the Eladian race narratively is real. Right, they are literally different from other people because they're the only people who can transform into these giant flesh-eating monsters. Nobody else can. This means that. In the world of the show, and in the world of the characters in the show, Eladians are a real race that are actually separate from all of the other peoples of the world who can intermingle and intermarry and interbreed in the way that normal people can, right? But, but Eladian blood is this, like, permanent taint in their universe, right? That's an extremely racist idea. It's pretty disgusting. And it ties directly into the other anti-Semitic themes of the show. Finally, in the conclusion of the show, our quote-unquote heroes win. Like, that is the conclusion of the show. They win and they kill their friend. Specifically, Eren's romantic interest, Mikasa, kills him and thus frees Ymir from her magical imprisonment that creates the titan's power, right? So Ymir sees that Mikasa was able to kill her romantic interest in a way that Ymir was not, and this means that Ymir frees all of her descendants from this curse. Uh, Incidentally, this also involves killing a giant phosphorescent celestial centipede creature. I don't understand that part. Uh, Write me at 15minutesoffascism.com if you understood that part. Who knows? Anyway, at this point in the show, the Titan powers are gone from the world. Now, that's a happy ending as much as this show is ever going to get. And by as much as this show is ever going to get, I mean like at this point, what has happened is that our main character, who we have been following for, again, 10 years, has transformed into a giant monster that succeeded in killing, in the show, they say this, killing 80% of the world's population. However, some of the last moments of the show are dedicated to giving him a sympathetic ending. It is revealed that his plan to kill 80% of the people in the world was that he would do that. And then his friends would kill him. Thus, A, ending the existence of the power of the Titans, B cementing these Aladians, these friends of his, as the heroes of the world, the people who prevented the complete genocide of everybody else in the rest of the world. And C, it would knock back the technology of the rest of the world back down to the level on Paradise Island, which is somewhere in the nineteenth-ish century. The rest of the world is basically in the 1940s, like they have propeller planes and, you know, assault rifles and you know, howitzers and stuff. So his intention was to kill 80% of all human beings on Earth and also destroy untold numbers of other natural lives in order to prevent a genocide of his people. Again, by killing billions. Now, here a quote from the creator of the show is really telling. He said that this was always his goal with the main protagonist of the show. His plan with Aaron and Jaeger was to show A story in which, quote, the victim becomes the aggressor. That is a quote from the creator of this show. The idea is that Eren is trapped by fate to do this. Now, this theme in which the victim becomes the aggressor is the center of the problem with Attack on Titan, if the other problems that I've identified so far have not been enough for you. At the very end of the show, there's a little montage where we see that the Paradise Island, the civilization that they have saved, has gone full fascism, like complete with military marches and big guns and goose stepping and like, you know, strong-jawed anonymous soldiers, right? Like this is full fascist propaganda at this point. We see that this civilization that Aaron killed 80% of people to preserve has become a fascist civilization. Narratively in the show, we know that Aaron sort of knew that this was going to happen because he has, you know, premonition powers, whatever. So here, again, the theme of the show is that the victim becomes the aggressor. This conflation of a transparent Jewish allegory community, the Eladians, as becoming the Nazis is, it, it, it just boggles the mind why you would want to make anything that does this, like the idea that you would make an intellectual property whose central premise is essentially like, what if the Jews were Nazis? Is, it's, just, it's just gross. It's disgusting. I, 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 I don't know what it's supposed to be telling me. Is it supposed to be telling me that like, war is bad or that genocide is bad? I mean, I know those things, but if it's trying to tell me that, then why would you make your genocidal protagonist sympathetic at the end? He should be hated. He should be disgusting. We, 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 we shouldn't want anything even remotely resembling sympathy from him. At the very, 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 you know, final end of the show, there's like a little, there's like a little sort of throwaway credits scene, like a war never changes type thing. We get a montage that shows that, you know, maybe there's maybe a century of peace, and then there's a sort of like 20, 21st century war against the backdrop of a technologically futuristic city. And then at the end of this war, there's some big nuclear explosion. And then a kid approaches the same type of site and does the same type of thing that we the viewer know that Ymir, the person who made this deal with the devil in order to get demonic powers, he approaches the same sort of site. And so we know that he's probably going to make this same deal. And the idea is that we can't escape from this cycle. Again, I just want to tell you, this is a profoundly reactionary conclusion to a show like this, which is ostensibly, and in the minds of many of its defenders, a pacifistic show, a show whose message is that war is bad, and that genocide is bad, and that fascism is bad. Instead here, the message of this show is fascism is inevitable, that nationalism is a natural and sympathetic belief for somebody to have. Remember, Aaron kills 80% of human people on Earth, in defense of his nation, and he gets a sympathetic ending. And it also tells us that genocide and destruction and, you know, near human extinction are also inevitable things. Now, I can understand how that message might be compelling or interesting in like maybe a sophomoric type way, but it is a deeply reactionary, defeatist, and in my opinion, wrong way of thinking about the world. I honestly shudder to imagine people getting their first impression and ideas about what fascism and genocide are from watching this show, and that's the problem, is that lots of times people's first image, people's first interaction with political questions is from fiction. That's why I think we need to pay attention to it, and that's why I released this podcast episode about it. All right, that was 15 Minutes of Fascism, a sadly topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Dr. Craig Johnson, thanking Sleepy Kitty Arts and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro, outro, and graphics. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. Please leave a review on whatever it is you're listening to this on. As long as the world is a horrible, horrible hellhole, skip my Patreon and go to Medicine Sans Frontières or Doctors Without Borders, go to the Red Cross or the Red Crescent and donate there. You can get in touch with me at 15 minutes of fascism at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at hist of the right, that's H I S T of the right, and fascism15. And I am also on blue sky at 15 M I N S O F F A S C, 15 men's of fash. All right, thanks very much, and I will talk to you Thursday.